Hello, everyone. It is Tuesday, and you are watching the MSP Initiative, and we are on the road. We are actually on the Channel Strong Tour 2.0, driving through the central part of the United States here and visiting MSPs out on the road once again, socially distanced, of course, and safely outside. I'm actually inside of the Channel Strong Tour RV bus. And we are uh, we're out of stop, so we can get the session in and give everybody a little bit of a lunch break. So all good there. We have a guest here today, Wayman Jones from Drop Suite. This is the first time Wayman has been on with us. So Wayman, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, give everybody a little walk down history or memory lane on how you got started in the IT industry and kind of how you got to uh, your position today at Drop Suite. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate it, George. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, super excited about being on the call today. So um, hopefully we find something beneficial out of all this um, as we go through it. Quick background on me. Uh, been in the IT industry roughly uh, 11, almost 12 years now. Um, started this journey uh, back when the recession was happening. Uh, was honestly selling wood and um, came in one day, told my wife I needed to change industries, started um, kind of self-teaching as far as some IT fundamentals, um, got on with a great company here locally in Pensacola, Florida, Gulf Breeze, uh, App River. Um, that was right whenever they were going into syndication. So as soon as Office 365 launched um, in its infancy, uh, I was on the, uh, the very uh, forefront of rolling this out to partners. So whenever I've seen, whenever I say I've seen it from the beginning, um, I've seen it. One of the things I, I always tell partners is the first sale I ever made was to an MSP. The last sale, um, just a few minutes ago was to an MSP. I've only dealt with MSPs, um, through my whole career. So I'm spoiled on that level, uh, being able to deal with, with the knowledge base, um, with that real, you know, the teaching back and forth, learned a lot from MSPs, um, try to stay as knowledgeable as I possibly can. Um, with what's going on there. But as I moved up with App River, then had a chance to move to uh, BitTitan as a regional manager there. Um, so familiar with 365, familiar with the migrations, the onboarding, all of that good stuff. Um, and then had a great opportunity uh, a few years ago to move into DropSuite, took over their sales, um, or actually just came in to help out with sales. And uh, here recently have moved into their director of sales uh, position with them, um, run everything in North America, South America, Canada, um, help out with some training globally um, on that side, uh, but extremely fortunate to be what I consider um, from the very beginning in with top tier companies. Um, so I've been spoiled, uh, but I have seen both sides of it where we've seen some products roll out, um, some phenomenal ones with 365 and Microsoft, some that uh, may have left a little to be desired, but starting off with those days of Link and Skype and Teams and um, seeing things like that. So anyway, it's been a fun ride. And then now uh, getting to you know, talk with MSPs like this is um, extremely gratifying and educational um, all at the same time. So you're selling wood. <laughs> That's a big jump to go from hardware and building stuff and selling like, you know, materials to IT. You know? Take us through that you know, situation real quick. Like, was it a hard uptick for you to understand the industry? Like, how hard was that learning curve? 
you know, what did, what excited you about getting into, you know, that, you know, this vertical just curiosity, really? Yeah, so, no, that's a great question. So even if we rewind a little bit, um, whenever I, uh, as soon as I graduated high school, I knew college wasn't, um, I wasn't responsible enough um, to go through that. Um, I literally grew up on a chicken farm in Alabama. Um, so joined the Navy. I spent 10 years in the Navy. Um, obviously doing that, you get exposed to a lot of different things. Um, I eventually rolled into a recruiting role, which at its fundamental, um, if anybody's been around 20, 25 years, took some old sales classes. There was one called PSS, professional selling skills, the language of needs, mirroring, all of that good stuff. Um, so at my core, I feel like one, um, I'm a listener. Um, I'm, I'm extremely, um, just, just like to question things in general, like to understand that their foundation, how they work. So whenever I got out of the Navy, um, naturally kind of flowed into sales positions, which led me to um, some big national change, 84 Lumber, any Steelers fans out there know massive, um, you know, uh, sponsorships with them, did really well with those guys. Uh, but it was really sales. It was relationships. It was understanding their business. Um, and at the end of the day, we're all looking at P&Ls, providing the right products for the specific needs, understanding markets. So if you, I think if you're, you know, if that's a natural, that comes natural for me. It's not natural for everybody, especially in this industry, but that's something that comes natural for me. So as I transitioned over, um, I was actually interviewing with AppRiver and uh, somebody that wound up becoming a great mentor of mine, Ashley Brown. I told him, I said, listen, all I know is relationships. All I know, I, I know sales a little bit, but I'm really good at relationships. Um, and she goes, well, convenient for you. She goes, that's a lot of what IT is. It's building the trust, becoming that trusted advisor, all the terms that we hear about now. And I think we, um, you know, people like George and the Ken Pattersons and people like um, some of our larger distributors out there that really value those relationships. I think that's who we naturally uh, tend to lean towards are those people that become trusted advisors. So, um, App River has a great training program, took about 90 days to ramp up. I mean, I literally was going in and I have an old notebook somewhere. I think it's in one of my desk stores where, where I literally have a question that says, what is DNS? You know, it's what is IP? So, and I would literally go home and Google at night and take notes and then go back the next day and then I could talk about it. And then they would say another term. Um, so it wasn't because of, I guess, my, my personality, it wasn't a huge transition. Um, it was just plugging in different terms and still developing those relationships. And one thing that I've, um, I handled the Southeast region in um, sales and lumber now on a national level, you know, instead of dealing with 20 or 30 partners, um, you know, over 2000 partners, getting to talk to these guys on the, sh on the road, not just stuck in a region, but doing it nationally and internationally, I think is really awesome with this industry um, and things that transition from an EU market, um, something we may see in Singapore that really resonates in um, Irvine. I think it's really cool how, um, that flow of information um, from MSPs is so, because it is a competitive environment. None of us ever question that. But I think mm -hmm. there's, in a lumber industry, it's five guys fighting for a house. Here, it's, it's less partners fighting for a whole industry that we've standardized on. And everybody, I think, agrees at the core of whether you're a, a 365 or a G Suite shop or whatever. At the core, it's all the same. It's what that value um, as you become a trusted advisor and stuff, I think that's where um, the thing that I really find interesting and cool about the IT industry. So very long-winded answer to, to get into that, George, but no, maybe no, give a little is, background. I mean, listen, 
yeah, back to your back to your point of relationships, right? A lot of people don't understand who they're dealing with until they've understood how you got to where you're going to. So it's always uh, it's always good information. All right, so so let's circle into the topic of the day, which is Microsoft 365, formerly Office 365, formerly Microsoft Business Productivity Suite, formerly Exchange Online. Um, it's obviously morphed several times over uh, since its inception. Um, so talk to us about, you know, a little bit of the history coming into Microsoft 365, right? Which is, all right, we dumped on-prem exchange servers, we dumped on-prem SharePoints, we dumped the small business servers, we dumped the, the boxes, right? Got it. Microsoft transitioned everybody to, to, their, to their data centers. Obviously, it's a lot less expensive to send somebody to their solution than to manage the infrastructure. Obviously, you know, size dependent. Security starts to jump in. Obviously, that's starting to become a very big focal point. Um, let's understand the challenges, right? I mean, I'm sure everyone's heard at some point, even in the most current iteration of the Microsoft Service Agreement, which I believe just got updated within the last 10 days, that um, Microsoft's not holding on to your data past 30 days, right? Like, it's mm -hmm. not, they actually have in their MFA or the service agreement that they recommend that you have a backup solution. They tell you that, you know, you should back up you know, the data in their, in their cloud and that they're not doing it for you. Is that all of that correct so far? Absolutely. Um, and I can expand on that just a little bit. So I think this is where, um, I think now what you said before is me coming from my background and kind of making this even more um, relevant to the partners. So the if you really dive into the service agreement, and we've all seen this within the last few weeks, it's the perfect, I think it's a perfect time to have this conversation. Microsoft specifically says it's the infrastructure that they have their four nines of uptime that we've all become to, that we've all come to rely on. Now, honestly, in, in 11, 12, 13, in the beginning, that four nines of uptime was highly questionable um, if they were hitting that all the time. Now, I think the, the backbone and the infrastructure is absolutely there, um, except for what we've just experienced in the last few weeks. But if you dive down Three into Three outages in two weeks, right? Yep, absolutely. So I don't like to call Microsoft out because I, um, I do think it's a phenomenal product. I think everybody probably on this call is using some version of it, but... Um, yeah, absolutely. I know well, some people were affected more heavily than others. To, yeah, not to derail you. Let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. So when the big guys go out, everyone kind of just goes like, okay, well, what do you want me to do? It's like the power going out, right? What are you going to do? When the small guys get affected, it's, oh, let's move to somebody else, right? Absolutely. It's a little bit like, who is the somebody else for Microsoft? Google? Amazon? Like, there's not a lot of options per se, right? And they are who they said they were. But the reality is that, yeah, three outages in a short period of time, you're going to get disgruntledness, right? I mean, there's just no, you know, like you can have a blip here or there, but like the, the successive issues in a short window, right? It's a problem. So Absolutely. this reopens the conversation, which is what redundancies can put in place? What spare tires can be put in the trunk? You know, what options do you have? And listen, Microsoft is now more than just email, right? We're talking about, Drop, uh, Dropbox, or uh, not Dropbox, their Dropbox equivalent, OneDrive. You're talking OneDrive. about SharePoint. You're talking about Absolutely. Teams. You're talking about, you know, Microsoft Flow, right? And Power Apps, right? Like, do you start, if you start to really adopt the full suite, 
I mean, it does go far past just getting a mail, an email, right? Absolutely. And, you know, like you said, um, I'll go around and then get back to that. You know, the, the days of having hosted exchange where you could go to an intermediate rack space, um, an app river, somebody that, you know, you could, I mean, you literally would get those calls if you had an outage like that. And they're like, hey, I'm, I'm you know, switching both. I'm done. I'm coming to you guys. We're going to figure this out. You don't do that with 365 anymore. Like you said, when somebody that big comes out, it's easy for a partner to say, look, this is directly from Microsoft. It takes them off the hook and they're fine. Uh, well, fine in general. Obviously, it's a huge hit to the business, but the MSP doesn't, doesn't sustain the same reputational hit that they historically had taken 10 years ago. So the MSP mm -hmm. can come in and say, look, it's the infrastructure that's down. It has nothing to do with me. Let me show you. They pull up a phone. They can pull up whatever it is that they have access to and show that the outage is there. So that keeps them safe. Now, the other side of that goes back to the actual data. Microsoft comes back up. Everything's good. In the meantime, everybody was freaking out. They're flipping through their emails. They're doing things on their phone. They're trying to go in and find hotspots. Maybe they were up for a few minutes. They deleted something. They sent something. They don't know what, they don't really know what happened because they, that business flow is not there like it used to be. Or maybe they were in the middle of, you know, completing a document. They sent it over, um, assumed it was done. Now you're talking exactly like you said, we're three weeks out now. We're, uh, offices are opening back up. We're coming to a middle of the month or the end of the month. So HR facilities, billing, things are getting sent over. Um, now what happens whenever you come back in and you say, okay, let me go back through and let's see what was sent or what wasn't there. What happens when you go in and you can't find that document that you're working on? It's no longer in your SharePoint. It's no longer in your OneDrive. Maybe you try to go back and find that contact that suddenly you were in the middle of a sell cycle and you can't find that or you accidentally deleted or just in general, something happened. Maybe you can't even pinpoint. How do you go and how do you know that that's safeguarded? How do you have that peace of mind and say, I know that if and when that happens, I can go and access that data through something that was not reliant upon Microsoft's infrastructure, meaning it's not in obviously SharePoint, OneDrive, any of that. It's not sitting in Azure because we know that that also was affected. So what do we have in place that's putting that somewhere completely unreliant on Microsoft's infrastructure so that we can go in and find that, confirm that it's there, and then restore it back to where we, where it's a predictable, um, you know, search model. And that's where you find that partners that are either, I find two now, um, that either newer partners that are more receptive to new technology and new information, meaning the backups and archiving of data, they seem to adopt these, um, these products a lot quicker or really mature partners that just say, this is the standard of our products and offerings. And we will have a backup that's going to back up as many of those apps that you mentioned or archive as many of those apps as mentioned so that we can go in and restore well, well, those. So back. So let's dig into that for a second, right? I mean, you have yep. the on-prem small business server, exchange server, SharePoint server. You put some sort of BDR or backup solution in place, right? Um, and then the concept, at least from the business buyer, non-technical person is, hey, when I go, when I shift my stuff to 365, I don't, I'm, I don't need the backup, right? Like, I don't need to shift those backup dollars into protecting that storage. That's always the first challenge, right, when you talk about cloud, it's not even just 365. It could be virtual machines and servers and all sorts of stuff, right? They think the cloud is like, oh, you're good. It's covered. 
when in reality, you're just moving to somebody else's server, right? So when you're talking about backup, archiving, compliance, holds, that kind of stuff, how far back are we talking? Wait a minute. Are we talking a month? Are we talking two months, six months, a year? What, what is the normal retention here? No, great question. So two sides, um, I think, of a way to answer that. So we've got to look at what our perception is of what's being backed up and how long. Um, I don't, one, this being public knowledge, I don't want to get into exactly how far because these things change. I will say on average, anything that you're looking at that would be Office 365 data, somewhere between 30 and 90 days, depending on exactly how you've deleted that or whether it's a deleted out of the normal folder, if it's delete the deleted file, everybody has different mail rules. Um, I've been with, with um, coworkers that literally at the end of the day, if they didn't have a flagged message, they deleted it. And after 30 days or 15 days, they deleted out of the deleted files. So a lot of that comes into, um, and this is an older term, healthy outlook hygiene. So depending on what your outlook hygiene is, will be heavily dependent upon how you can access this data. But we know um, by what Microsoft says, um, there's documents that are somewhere between 30 and 45 days. Um, there's other ways that how you delete it may be there for up to 90 days. Um, emails around 30 days. I think th that may have just moved to 15. Some of you guys may know that better than I do on some of those deleted items. I don't know that for sure. I know I've seen different things. Um, obviously, I we back up not just 365, but when it comes to hosted exchange on-prem, um, pretty much any any platform. So there's a lot of different ones that I have to keep in my head. Um, so, but like I said, the perception that it's there, just because you delete it and you don't hard delete it, that it's accessible, that is a huge perception versus what is actual reality. And then once you get into, are they, are they protected? Um, you know, how to access them. Um, some people say, well, Microsoft says you can contact them. Is that through a service ticket? Is that a 14 day turnaround? Is there any kind of assurance that you could go in and say, and let me delete this and I'm just going to try in seven days. Well, that could be a 28 day pen test type thing where you go in and try that. Whereas if you have a backup tool that's reliable and backs it all up, you can just go in and check that um, within a matter of minutes, hours, days, however you really want to try that. Maybe that answers your question a little bit. I know, um, we talked about quite a few topics in there. Well, yeah. So what about the people like doctor's offices that need to hold on to data for seven years, stuff like that? Is there an option for those people to go to hold it that long without, I mean, like, I understand if it's in your mailbox, it should still be there, right? But the question is, how do we protect data from leaving the mailbox? Yeah. So we could always talk about the big three um, whenever you get into healthcare, um, finance, um, even manufacturing, things like that. There's always regulations behind that. And that's where, you know, obviously going back and being um, inquisitive about the industries that you either focus on or you deal with, but learning is it seven year, 10 year and definite retentions. Um, but there is, you know, we all find that doctors are probably one of the biggest abusers of saying, oh, my, my inbox is um, my archive or it is my backup. You know, that's where I go. I find a simple search. I haven't dealt with this doctor or this practice in seven years. Let me go search real quick. So that's what they use. Um, but there is, as an archive, if you're looking for something in real time, you need to have that data backed up. That's retrievable because the more we all know this, the more that you put in Outlook, the more data that's stored in there, the slower it gets. It goes back to what I said earlier, the healthy Outlook hygiene. If you can go in and have that doctor where it's clean, it's, it's straight lined. We know that a lot of, I've, I've had, 
um, the luxury, I will say, of being through multiple doctor's appointments over the last month. Um, a lot of doctors aren't even managing their mail systems anymore. You have a PA, you have an office manager, you have um, somebody that either has been assigned over a legal right to act on behalf of that doctor and send emails on behalf of that doctor, just as you would find an attorney doing the same thing as a paralegal sending documents on behalf of attorneys that are literally signed with an attorney's signature, but coming directly from a paralegal. So what happens if now you're held to some legal, um, you know, you get sued if some kind of malpractice, anything happens like that, um, that you would, that you could have, you know, any type of legal ramifications coming from it. Um, how is that stored? How is it tracked? How is versioning looked at? Because just because you can pull up one single email, there could be a, a chain of 20, and especially if you get into doctor's cases um, or any type of law um, or legal cases. I mean, you could have, I mean, I see it, and, and I'm a little partial to this because my wife's been in the legal field 22 years with one of the largest law firms in the nation. Um, you could find something, if they have a seven-year history of a case, then how are you going to retain that? How is this going to hold up in the court of law through 12 jurors when you're talking about millions and billions of dollars worth of money? So how can you say, yes, this is everything that's gone in there if you don't have some type of um, archiving or backup product in place? Um, so that's, um, that's getting really in depth and I could really talk about the legal side of it for a long time because like I said, I am um, a little partial to that because of what my wife does. But anyway, um, that's, so, so you definitely have to have so, that. Go so, ahead. For, so there's a there's a there's like an uh, an e-discovery versioning of this, right? Like, so first is I need to hold the data outside of Microsoft just in case something happens in Microsoft. Then there's a hey, I have some sort of situation that triggered that I now need to go and re retrieve this data. How easy can I find information? How easy can I restore it? How easy can I like? I know there's a concept of litigation hold, right? That Microsoft has on their own. But like, how how hard is it for a power user to go and find the information once it's backed up? So there's a there's I may ramble for a few minutes on this, but hopefully it's beneficial. Um, if you're looking at if you're looking at um, the Drop Suite products, we are uh, vastly different than what you've seen historically come to the market. What you've seen historically has always been an admin based tool, an admin based tool <laughs> meaning that you needed an MSP. Um, MSPs historically have been somebody that either can manage software or data that a client has brought to them, um, or they've given them a set of tools and say, hey, here's a couple that I choose um, or that I deal with. If you find one that you like better than other, choose it. DropSuite, on the other hand, um, is not an administrative tool. Ours is a user-based frontline tool with eight different levels of access. So if I want to give George just access to yours, you have access to it as an end user. But say your boss wants to have access to his department, we can give them a local access. And it goes all the way up to compliance officers. Every one of these has the same level of one click restores. The speed of it um, is an industry leading the speed of restore, the ease of use. Is it a end user friendly UI? Um, all of those things have been checked. These are things that um, I obviously can claim. We just went through um, one of the quadrant reports uh, for end of 2019 going into 2020. 
We finished number one in 21 out of 22 categories globally. Um, and this goes up against um, over a dozen of the industry leaders. It's every single one of those names is somebody that everyone would know about. That goes from everything from end user access, um, restorability, support, sales, um, customized um, ability, speed, everything that goes along with that. Uh, that's completely unbiased. It is not a pay to play. Um, there are some pay to play quadrant reports you can get in. The more you pay, the more you play. Obviously, this is one that was completely unbiased, which is why we went with it. Um, but yeah, looking at the ease of restore, so we'll kind of come back around. The ease of use of this um, and, and of Drop Suites products is absolutely user end user friendly, but you can also get into, um, so now let's go into what we would call our, our gateway drug. Um, and this is another differentiator. Normally what you find um, throughout the industry is you have a backup vendor and you have an archive vendor. Um, one of them does one really well or does one where you can check the box and another one does one very well. There's a lot of um, good archiving companies out there or archiving companies um, that have a, a big name, a big following. We've dealt with them. Backup, there's 20 or more throughout the world. Um, you see that kind of check in the box. Is this backed up? How often is it restored? Can I go find this data? Yes. Um, but how that's being backed up is vastly different by every single one of those in there. So um, in comparison to what we do and the number of apps, the difference is, is what happens, and we know this, if, we're, if you've been following, um, and I'm not going to get into this too much, but if you find politics, if you find what's going on legally, um, states like Louisiana, perfect example. If you find that as MSPs become more regulated, if you transition from MSP to MSSP, um, more into security-based, how do you differentiate? If you're looking at how can you go from a backup to an archiving vendor, you know this, um, George, it's always been export. Well, let's export that data. How much is it going to cost? How am I going to get this? Is it FTPs? Is it this? Like all these different things. Or somebody like DropSuite, all you literally have to do is a support ticket and in less than 24 hours, we flip the switch and you go straight from backup into archiving. It's now catching through journaling rules and those that information is caught in real time and you are now an archiving compliance solution. So that's a big differentiator too um, in those products. What you find and what we found as this industry um, goes forward, there's M&As, um, you'll find companies that maybe historically have been really strong in one area. Uh, maybe they back up um, something and then all of a sudden they've added an, an ECS, an email continuity service or something like that, or maybe they've added a backup. If you really look at it, those, like we have always stayed into complementary services. I will say that we're looking to expand our offerings, but it's going to be complementary to the foundation of who DropSuite is. Is it a backup company? Yes. Do we archive? Yes. Those absolutely are two products that you can have a, a very relevant conversation between the two. Um, so that's where it makes so much, what, what, so much sense for us. Go ahead. So, so one thing that's coming back to the top of my head, you're like, hey, we're not in Azure. Do not rely on any part of the Microsoft ecosystem. But then you're also dealing with partners who are dealing with the regulated industries. So what about the BAAs and the compliances and the encryption of this data? And where is the, where is the data being held, right? Are, are these not questions that have to be checked then? Oh, absolutely. So it's all there. Um, so if you need BAAs, we sign them. We have NDAs. We have mutual NDAs. 
all of that stuff, we have to sign those. If somebody comes to us um, or if they go through a DISTI and they say we need a HIPAA compliant backup or archiving solution, the first thing that should always come out is let's get a BAA NDA in place. We know that's the foundation of that compliance. We absolutely provide those. We have tons of them in place. I mean, we have to. Um, so absolutely we do that. If you're looking at SOC compliance, if you're looking at is it GDPR? If you're looking at something that maybe they're a global company, is it HIPAA, FINRA, NIST, 256 military grade encryption? Um, all of that, absolutely, we check every single one of those boxes. It's in user agreements. Um, you know, obviously the regulatory compliance, um, e-discovery, legal hold. Now we're really getting into an archive solution, flexible retention periods, tamper-proof audit trails. Is all of that there out of the box? Um, absolutely. And when you click begin or start your restore, are you having to go in and say, wait, we didn't get SharePoint or we didn't get OneDrive? Every one of those out of the box is included with us. We are a comprehensive solution that you cannot go in and a la carte because it really breaks our model of providing an all-inclusive service. And we feel like the value is taken away from the quality of what we've provided. Now, the, the beginning of what you asked was, where do we store? We store in AWS. Um, so obviously, all of our data centers at their core, they, are, they fall under every one of their um, security protocols. And then we also have our own internal um, uh, protocols. We just finished our stock uh, probably about two months ago, and we're continuing to add increased security around that. Um, that is one thing that we made a commitment that we will never stop increasing the level of security that we provide on our product. We also know that some of those, as you go into stock one, two, um, some of those take a year, two years, three years, but we are constantly uh, moving in the direction of adding increased security around our product and always will. So from, from the MSP's view then, okay, so we understand that there's a need. We understand that there's, you know, it can, get, it can vary based on who your end customer is. Fair enough. Where is the, is there any automation, manageability, reportability, right? Like these three words, if you would, are the foundation to, hey, how quickly can I make sure that it's on? How, you know, how can I manage it across all of my customers at scale? And how can I report off of it to do two things? One, to prove that it's working and to make sure that it's doing the job that needs to be doing. And then two, to make sure that, you know, I'm matching up my users with, you know, who you're backing up, meaning, hey, there's the ebb and flow of people leaving and coming into organizations, and I want to make sure that I'm not mismatched, so that I'm not paying for users or, or have users missing, right? Like, we need to obviously align those. Yeah. So, I'm going to talk about that more at a broad level, um, because getting into it, I think we really, I mean, we could spend the next part of this call going just into that. Is the automation there to discover? Is the auto discovery there? Does it add users? Does it alert you um, if you need license? And some of this is changing as we speak, uh, but all of that is there. Um, you can confirm that your users are being there as you add, add users, delete users. Um, there's automation involved that if you, um, if you take a user off, um, there's a certain amount of deactivated mailboxes are already included by default. If for some reason you go over a license count, you get notified. So there's all of that automation built in. Um, so it does give you that peace of mind knowing that all of your users are taken care of all the time. Is And all of that is managed within a single um, user interface. 
So as you log in, you can see if it's five clients or 500 clients, it's all there and you can manage um, specifically on behalf of your clients, um, any of their backup or audit trails and you can teach them. So if they have a specific, somebody specifically internally uh, that is taking care of compliance, audit trails, random sampling, things like that, you can go in and teach them super easy or you can give them the user guides that step-by-step -step will show them how to use our product. Um, I will tell you that I very seldomly see, um, I actually can't even pinpoint anybody in the last probably 12 months that we have not sent a user guide or any of our how-to videos that walks them straight through screen by screen of how to utilize the product. But usually you're talking no more than two or three clicks um, to set any of those customizable features um, or the flexible retention periods up. So I'm um, super easy to use on that side. Uh, was there something else that you asked that I did that I that I glanced yeah, over? Yeah, so I I, th I said there was um, automation. Yep. And then I said there is a re reporting, right? Because that's a big part of a lot of the checkboxes when it comes to compliance and stuff like that. And then lastly was, hey, is is there any way to make sure that you know, like obviously the end customer sounds like they can have access, right? Because it's meant yep. to be easy to use. But the MSP is obviously managing multiple customers in almost every case. So is that something that ties into their existing tool set? You know, is this something where I can see from a big box view that everything's working or something bubbles up to the top when there's an issue? What kind of issues would bubble up to the top from the MSP's view? Like these are the types of things that, that usually would, you know, come, come from a, hey, you know, I want to make sure that I understand what I'm walking into here. Yeah, so there's, um, I'll, talk, I'll go into that a little bit. So first we'll talk about reporting. There is reporting. I will, um, there's different levels. That is something that we have a huge focus on because that, there's nobody out there that really does the level of reporting that partners are asking for. Um, what we are, we are currently working on that now. Um, our level of reporting that you're gonna see um, in the next couple quarters is just, it's, it's pretty mind boggling. Um, what we're doing because we are a development first company. Um, we, we don't sit there and say, hey, we just finished 21 out of 22 number ones. Let's sit back and enjoy the ride for the next 18 months. Our mission is to stay there and still be, um, you know, the, the leaders in what we're doing. So reporting is there. Um, we have some, some of the major partners that a lot of us know. I don't want to call any of those guys out here. Um, but it's one that we've all heard of. They're part of our packs. We're in, uh, actively engaged with them um, to increase our level of reporting that we offer now. Um, I like what we do. It does show um, that your backups are complete. It shows when they were complete. Um, like I said, you can go in there and do the random sampling and all of that stuff. Now, getting into the integration side, um, we all know ConnectWise, that's a big one in the market. Uh, we do have ConnectWise integration. It's there for the ticketing, all of that good stuff. Another one that's probably a little less known, but I think they are starting to make waves in the industry is Backup Radar. Um, they have um, here over the last, uh, earlier this year, they released integration with us. Um, that does show additional integration with multiple platforms. Um, we are actively engaged with those guys. I know there's um, a major DISD out there that we all know and love that's um, having some talks too. Uh, but Backup Radar does have us within um, their integration. Um, and there's other ones out there, but those are the two major ones that I think everybody, um, well, ConnectWise is the major one, Backup Radar. Um, if you haven't had a chance to look at those guys, I highly advise you to go out there because I think it's a really, really cool and interesting tool of what they're doing. And I think they're 
Uh, they mirror kind of what we do of, you know, the partner first, the development first, um, you know, and, the, and that integration that you spoke of, I think is, is really great with them. But yes, um, we do have the, the integrations and um, things like that. And like I said, the reporting's um, it's always going to improve. We had what was a, a foundational, um, I guess, check, mock, check box for reporting. Um, and then after we looked at it this year, um, that's something that we definitely want to improve on. So you'll see some pretty, uh, pretty awesome things coming in the next few quarters with us. Okay. So, so let's zoom out for a second then. So bottom line is MSBs need to back up, not just exchange, they need to back up SharePoint, they need to back up OneDrive. We never, we didn't talk about teams at all. Is there anything, what, you know, is that covered? Is that part of the conversation? Is that coming? What's the story there? So um, we can back up even a little bit further. Um, as you're looking at backups, what should you look at? Obviously, it's the most inclusive tool you possibly can. Um, out of the box, do everybody's, you're going to have email. Um, but calendars, contacts, tasks, um, is all of that going to be included? Is it OneDrive and SharePoint? Is it, and then that's where you start getting into everybody. If you haven't looked at the adoption rate for Teams, it is absolutely mind-boggling the amount of information and i truly believe that as you see microsoft um, develop more and more that you're going to find that email i think is going to be a secondary mode of communication um, now whether that happens in the next 12 months or in the next 36 months it depends on um, the scale of adoption but you're going to find that companies are communicating heavily on teams the fact that i can dial you up i can see you in person I can hold team meetings. Um, let's go back to my military days. If you wanted to hold a muster in the morning or just, hey, let's kick our day off with, you know, some hoorah team, let's do this. Um, I mean, teams is how you're gonna do it. It's not, hey, check in by phone call and check in um, by email. Let's jump on a team's call. Let's get our team of six or eight um, on the line. Let's make sure we're on the same page. Let's set our agendas. So you're communicating through teams. You're chatting through teams you're communicating that's internal and external. So is that information being backed up? And absolutely, we provide that um, through DropSuite. Now let's even go further into that. What happens, is it, what's the frequency of those backups? Is it unlimited storage? Is it unlimited um, retention? Are you getting to a per seat pricing, which means it's a very predictable pricing model, not per gig, um, you know, is it, so do you stand behind the product? No ingestion fees, no export fees. All of that, we absolutely are checking those boxes. And the fact, like I said, all of the full apps with the advanced search, with um, you know something that nobody really talks about on this, except for some of our partners, as we get in depth, is there insights that give you additional analytics? Um, that goes back to the reporting, but there's additional analytics that we provide um, through all of our, through both of our products now also. Um, and then, like I said, the one-click restores, downloads, all of that. Um, and every single one of those is, um, is included and meet without any customizable settings, GDPR, HIPAA, FINRA, um, NIST, 256 grade, all of that stuff that we mentioned before. Okay. So it seems, it's, you know, I'm still struggling on the, there's no per gig pricing. It's per user pricing. So something has to give, right? If it's not per gig pricing and there's no storage limit, then what's the storage time? What's the maximum amount of time, right? Like that you can hold the data before 
is there an auto purge at the end? Like, how, how does this trickle down? So two, um, one, that's for us to worry about your storage fees, uh, but it is taken care of. By default, backup is unlimited. Um, there is no, um, and that's another one that where there's differentiators, where some of them are, you have some out there that are six months, one year, five years. Um, ours is unlimited in backup, and by default, in um, it's unlimited in archive, but archive is customizable. So there are companies out there um, going back to my construction days, um, there's companies that we deal with that need a 30-day, um, six-month, one-year purge, and all of that information has to go, which is where you get into an archiving product. It really depends on the needs of the client. Um, every one of those is customizable to what they need. By default, it's unlimited um, with no retention period. You go in, and if you want it to be at seven years, five years, three years, customize it to what you need for that specific industry. Um, and then obviously, you know, all the storage fees and stuff are things that we do, uh, but it is per user. Um, anybody out there monitors for abuse, but we really mirror what Microsoft does with their storage limits. And then once you get into SharePoint and all that, um, it goes up exponentially. But no, it's all included in there. There is no, I mean, we don't even, I don't even have a way to charge you per gig. It's per user per month, no long-term contracts. Um, there's no contracts. It's month to month. If you decide that, hey, this isn't uh, a product we want, like I said, with the ingestion, um, ingress the years free that you can go in and take your take your information and do what you will. Okay. So what about, you know, security from a ransomware or breach or anything like that? So um, I'll say that we so this there may be some more questions that I have for you on this. Um, as far as ransomware, um, you know, we're separate from that. So if somebody goes in, they get their ransomware as opposed to um, our, our local municipality just got hit. Um, and they're in the process of one, letting go their MSP, and they're actually out there bidding out on other MSPs to come in. Um, that information is safe with us. It's safeguarded through all of the um, all of the safeguards that I talked about before. You can go in there basically um, for no, just making it simple terms that a chicken farmer can understand. Blow up your environment, go back in, restart it, import all of your information back out of our system, and you're back up and running. Um, so you can get around that that phishing, that ransomware, um, and those malicious attacks that are going on out there. And obviously, those are only going up. Um, I think, especially now with the pandemic and the global economy that we're in, you're only going to see additional phishing attacks, ransomware, um, and then you get into the accidental deletions, things like that. But yeah, absolutely. Um, you're safeguarded against that um, when you utilize the product. And then if you start talking about, you know, the system errors, the viruses, things um, that we didn't even touch on, uh, the fact that that's stored completely separate from where any of that information would have either been held hostage um, or taken uh, allows you to restore that data and then and move on substantially quicker than what you would have to do if you were going through ransomware, um, trying to figure out if you have ransomware insurance or not. Like there's so there's so much more to that conversation. Uh, but it's a great conversation to get into. And there's people that are way more knowledgeable about it than us, other than the fact that I can tell you, um, you're safeguarded against those attacks with us. Not safeguarded from getting okay. hit, but the information is safeguarded because you're separate from that environment. You can go back in, restore your environment, or recreate it, and then import that data back in. So I got a question come in. It said, since this isn't a particularly mature industry, how confident can my customer be that the quote-unquote retention 
is actually unlimited. We see many vendors that go out of business after, let's say, 10, 20, 30 years. I'm amazed when I see a company that is one year old offering a 10 year warranty. So that's probably a myth. So good question. Um, one thing about Drop Suite is we actually um, are substantially older than that. Uh, we've been around since 2011, 2012. Uh, we started in, in website backup. Uh, we've been doing email, um, SharePoint, all of that um, for, this is going to be before my time, uh, but I believe somewhere between five and six years. Uh, we're also a little bit different. Uh, we are publicly traded. The information is out there. Um, so in my opinion, nobody can dictate the market. Um, there are companies that have gone out of business. I will say that, um, you know, this is a long-term play for us. It's, there's no chance of us going out of business. Um, also, you have to, as we um, guarantee these safeguards, even if we did go out of business, we have to have uh, that financial infrastructure in place to continue to retain that information long term. Um, so those safeguards are there. Um, but there is there is no guarantee. But the fact that if something did happen, we would have to have a long term play. Um, this is really getting into a lot of if scenarios, uh, but where you could you could basically you could download that information and take it somewhere else where it wouldn't be held hostage or just completely lost. Okay. Well, I hope that answers your question, Brad. Um, yeah, that's a difficult one because there's, there's some hypotheticals in there, but hopefully um, you're more than, than welcome to reach out. We could have that, and I could even get into our security officers and infrastructure, so that's where NDAs and stuff would need to be in place. But we'll, that, we have those conversations all the time. I try to stay out of that as much as I possibly can except for high level. Anyway, go ahead, George. Sorry, I interrupted sure. you. So, so what do you tell the guy who says, why shouldn't I just do this on my own? Why shouldn't I just, I have data center space or I have servers in a rack somewhere. Why shouldn't I take software and just move this into, you know, pre-existing, you know, gear that's already there and save a little bit of money in the process? So I think you have to look at that as, you know, not on a micro level of saying, I can save some money here. If you look at it macro on a larger scale, what amount of time are you going to have to spend doing these manual backups and moving it? What kind of guarantees can you provide? Are you really, and this is where, you know, for me coming into the backup world, I've, I've dealt with, I've sold other backup products in the, in the past, but what peace of mind do you have? Um, you know, are you worried about that at night? Did you forget about it? Are you relying on an engineer or a single point of failure? Or are you going to go with somebody that that is their business? And when you really look at the overall cost, if you dive into this, by the time you're managing an infrastructure, by the time, even if you run some kind of script or you have some kind of automation or have junior level engineers running this, what amount of time, effort, peace of mind, is it fully automated? Are you just getting screenshots? Are you truly backing up this data so you can have that peace of mind that you can go in and literally find it in a matter of seconds or minutes or are you going to have to go in there? Because if you're paying engineers, I mean, heck, the cost is astronomical. I mean, 30, 60, 90 bucks an hour. Is his time best utilized going in and finding some kind of file that was put in SharePoint that you went into your customer's infrastructure, then decided that you were going to take that and put into some kind of blob or your own storage, find that. How are they going to restore it back? 
Is it the version that they're looking for? Did you caption all that, capture all that versioning and then get them back exactly where they want to be? Or do you go in, like I said, a very per user, per month, predictable pricing model and know for a fact that no matter what level it is, even if that engineer leaves, if they have a health issue, if they decide that they're on vacation, can you go in there and go into the easy to use UI, click on the client, click on the, the document that you want, restore it, click on the email, click on the contact, any of that, restore it back and go, okay, this isn't something I do every day, but it's an extremely easy to use product. And then when my engineer comes back, I give him a brief rundown or there's some kind of internal ticket. He can go in and confirm everything looks good. You move on to your next issue and let's go solve, you know, the bigger issues that your clients are looking for. Are you truly, truly adding that value? What is that, that your IP as an MSP and then you're rolling out and that's when your profitability is truly coming in and those long-term relationships, or are you going to sit there and spend a couple hours every week or every month or however you want to do that? Um, trying to utilize your own infrastructure um, to, to back up, like I said, SharePoint, OneDrive, Teams. Um, I don't see, I don't really see how anybody right now as an individual with their own storage could be backing up Teams in a very reliable model. Um, and like I said, as that data flow continues to grow, um, how are you going to capture that information? If it is, hey, great for the partner, but that's a very few. That is not the masses that are able to do that right now. So what about the possibility of channel conflict, right? The end customer has the ability to sign into the portal, and they now see your stuff and your, your UI. And you know, obviously, the MSP is trying to deliver this as part of their package. But is there a situation where you know, the end customer is dealing with drop suite directly and, and, and not necessarily going to the MSB, which, you know, obviously creates a potential, a potential issue there. So we, our answer is we are a channel focused company. We, do we have direct clients? It is, but it's ones that have their own managed team and there's no MSP involved. The MSP can give the end user any level of access they choose. This is driven by the MSP. It is sold by the MSP. It is built by the MSP. Um, like I said, the whole management aspect of that comes from the MSP. If you choose to give them end user access, that is because you as the MSP had said, this is the relationship I choose to have. We would, I would say it's probably 50-50 and it may even be higher on the level of the MSPs keep the, the full restore capabilities themselves. saying, if you need to restore, I want you to understand that your data is fully restorable to any version, any point in time. If and when you need it, please contact me through our normal tier one support. This is how we will handle it. If in turn, um, and I'll tell you that this does happen where a, a partner will reach out and say, I'm in the field. I can't handle this. I'm having an issue. You know, maybe there, there's something that, like I said, maybe the sales engineer or, you know, whoever it is internally that normally manages this is out. They need our help. We will specifically ask a partner, are we acting on behalf of you? If we, you know, if we want to get on and do a screen share and show that end user, I will gladly say I am part of George's, you know, George's IT company. Let's walk you through this and show you, and we will act on behalf. So whatever relationship the end user has with us is because that's what the MSP has dictated that relationship to be. We prefer 
the partner to be the front line because that's who they know, that's who they trust, that's who they have their managed service contract with, that's who they have that relationship with, that trust. And to me, um, that is what that relationship and that's where that value is added. You will find that backup and archiving when used is the number one product that provides the long-term relationship with a partner. When a, when a client comes in, and I forget what it is, almost I think it was like 96 or 97% of end user clients that have utilized the product and gone in and used their MSP for a backup and restore, they said it's only solidified that relationship and it confirmed exactly why they're using that MSP. So it adds that value. So this is a very long answer, but it's something I'm, I'm extremely passionate about that the MSPs dictate this relationship. You will find just like the partner said a while ago, how can you as a one-year-old company, we've been around over 10 years. So they don't know drop suite and even go out there and take the big names. They don't necessarily know them, but they do know the Matt's and the Zach's and the Ole's and the Nathan's and the George's and the Ken's of the world. That's who they're providing that information. They do want to know that, they're utilizing Office 365 because there is a brand behind that. But there's very few companies that have billions and billions worth of marketing dollars out there. So we rely on the partner. You basically white label the product and roll it out to them and just say, you trust me to provide you the industry leading technology to safeguard your information. If you need it for any of these reasons and any of these, you know, SharePoint, OneDrive, email, any of that, if and when you ever lose it, submit a ticket, Call me, I'll help you restore it, and we move on. So like I said, that's a very long answer, uh, but I do want to make sure that we get that across to partners because I think sometimes there's a misconception um, that we, we own that relationship. The partner 100% um, owns that, and we want them to own that. Um, we are here 100% of the time no, to important. make those guys look like rock stars. That's no, important. So in the event that, you know, you know, listen, MSP that customers, MSP fire customers, MSPs lose customers, maybe the mutual part, whatever. So is there a term? Is there a lock-in? Is there, you know, at what point if they've removed the stuff, is the data completely gone? Like, what about, you know, like, just walk me through that scenario. Yeah, so um, as you go through this, there's a lot of things that you say that differentiate us. So for you to be truly an archiving company, even if they go in and stop paying, all that does is say, or if they terminate a, a contract or a service agreement with us, that information still has to be accessible. So if you put a retention period of seven years and then you go in and stop, we still have to have that. That just means from that date of, of contract termination, we no longer capture anything after that. And that's set in stone, that's legal, you can go by to a court of law. Anybody can stand by and say from this day upon service contract termination, it was we were no longer responsible for it. But anything previous to that, we have to retain that. And then there's also, hmm. um, like I said, deactivated mailboxes. I know there's companies out there that say um, if you deactivate a mailbox after 15 days or 30 days, um, I think they purge that information. It's different. Like I said, there's so many different vendors out there. Um, we don't have any of those rules in place. Ours is retained indefinitely. You can go in there, like I said, and set a purge date. If you say after one year of deactivation, we want this to be purged, then obviously as that rolls in, um, so that could be for active mailboxes or inactive mailboxes. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all there for you to be truly compliant on the level that we are. 
um, and that we stand behind, you have to provide that. So there is no instant yeah. purge unless you set that up. So it, like I said, it's indefinite retention. That's for active and deactivated mailboxes. Wow. Okay. Uh, and then, I think you and can then go back, through. And then back, and, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, and then back to, hey, you know, like, if, if you know, the MSP can sign their customer to an agreement for a billion years until somebody wants out, right? So is Absolutely. there a term? Is there an interval? Like, is the MSP required to, you know, uh, do a, a certain time period in terms of the billing purposes? Like, how does that work? So, um, yeah, I'm sorry I missed that while ago. I think it was, it, it's, it's a little, um, it's kind of standard for us. Anyway, there's no long-term contract. It's truly month to month with us. Um, any of our DISTs that you go through, you're going to go month to month. If you come in and a, you know, I think anybody in the audience and in any audience I ever go through um, will usually do a raise of hand, you know, show me an MSP that's lost a client or gained a client from another MSP. Um, it happens. It could be, hey, my, my brother-in-law started this up. I owe it to my sister. She's nagged me forever. I'm going to let them manage it. Okay. You could do a soft handoff, a very professional one, shake hands, MSP. We release it. MSP, we accept it. You turn, you turn over your partner of records, similar to what you do with, um, you know, partner of records, a very familiar term when it comes to 365, um, and you can move on. Um, it's very simple to be set up as a partner with us um, and through any of our DISTs. So absolutely, you can do that. There's portability. There is no migration. There's no um, take that, take all of that migration out. Let's migrate it back in. Let's pay the ingestion fees, all that good stuff. We don't have any of that. So like I said, being very partner focused, um, this is something that we were very conscious of um, about four or five years ago because we could have made this difficult. Um, I come from another backup vendor that I sold historically and they made it extremely uncomfortable. We have none of that. So the portability is there. Um, the retention is there. The even before, so let's just go worst case scenario and then we'll move on. I know we're running out of time, but if you have a malicious partner that wants to go in and just turn it off and say, I'm done. I'm done with you. You've upset me. I feel like I've done everything right. The client's like, I'm done. You've upset me. I feel like I've done everything right. Even if they cut that off, if we are contacted by either party, we'll more, we can go ahead and continue to, to back up the information. Let's get all the partners involved. Let's make sure that everybody handles this professionally and we'll still maintain all of that. It's not going to get blown up. You can't go in and just start heavily deleting stuff. Um, we monitor that for any malicious activity. There's flags that are raised internally. Um, so you're safe on all of that also with us. Uh, but I'll tell you, it does happen, but it doesn't happen on a, very often. Um, uh, it's just, it, it, we don't see it as much now as we used to um, whenever you had either change of channel as partners were figuring this out um, or as, I think you saw this a lot maybe in like hosted exchange days and stuff, but you don't see a lot of the, the maliciousness that um, I saw historically. I think we find a, the partners that we deal with now and that are still in the industry are a lot more mature, um, professional, and understand that um, there's a proper way to do business. Fair enough. Wayman, how do people find you, your company, reach online? Go for it. Absolutely. Sales at Drop Suite. Um, there are plenty of disties out there. Um, any of the top ones out there we are transacting through. Um, sales at Drop Suite. Wayman at Drop Suite. If you want to talk to me directly. Uh, we have YouTube channels. We have all the information we can possibly, uh, that you could possibly want. I'll present to you directly. I'll send you to a DISTI. 
Um, I have lists of, of any of their reps within those companies. Uh, we definitely want to make this as easy as we can on you to purchase, demo. Um, there's NFRs available through all of our DISTs, through us direct. Use the product. Make sure it is everything I say it is. Um, call me out however you want. Look us up on Reddit. We're out there everywhere. Um, you know, and so any questions you have, reach out to us. We'll gladly answer. Um, we're an open book here at DropSuite. So love to talk to the partners and stay in touch with the community. Awesome. So guys, this entire session was recorded. It'll be online later on today. You'll be able to follow that back on mspinitiative.com. We'll have it up on YouTube and Facebook as well. Uh, if you need to contact Wayman, please do. Obviously, you know we're always available, so don't hesitate to reach out. We'll continue every Tuesday and Thursday, 1 o'clock Eastern time, even though we're on the tour and back on the road again. But, Wayman, appreciate you for uh, jumping on today. And thanks, everyone, for who watches live and who watches after the fact. And stay tuned. We have more coming. Talk soon, Wayman. Awesome. Have a good one. Thanks, guys. See ya.